Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. Uh, hi there, uh, I'm Adam, and I'm a stool on stage at the Gag Wagon. It's a comedy club in Des Moines, Iowa. Normally I'm just uh, propping up, you know, a sort of uh, half-drunk whiskey and coke or a half-drunk comedian. You know, sometimes I look out into the club and I see all these chairs, you know, and uh, people sit on them the entire, the entire set. And I think, man, must be nice. Well, Adam, I imagine uh, over the years you've seen so many comedians come through the gag gag oh, was it gag wagon uh, the gag wagon, yeah, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. They wanted me to they wanted me to mention the name of the club, uh, the gag wagon. Uh, free, uh, free, free, free pretzels uh, Wednesday nights. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot. You know, I I have a front row seat. I am a front row seat. Um, so I've seen some of the greats, uh, and I've seen a lot of the not-so-greats. It's a lot of not-so-greats. I, I want to ask about that, because uh, you you are right there on stage with the comedian. I imagine it feels great when they're killing. What's it feel like when a comedian dies on stage? Like, literally dies? Uh, no. That's, that's not great. I mean, and that has happened, by the way, uh, at... The gag wagon. No, no, I mean, I meant, you know, like uh, comedians die, like their act isn't working. Like when they're, uh, you know. Oh, right, yeah. Um, no, <clears throat> yeah, that's weird, you know? But it's funny, too, because you got to remember, like, it's not just the comedian that's dying. It's, it's the joke that's dying, too, you know? Like when a person dies, we remember them, you know? We have a memorial. We have uh, an open casket and cheese sandwiches. But, you know, when a joke dies... Uh, you do your best to forget it. And I think that's sad. I think we should take a take a moment and recognize those jokes for what they were trying to do. Yeah, I, it's it's true. I you know, what if what if my worth as a person were measured by if twenty five people on a room in a room on Saturday night liked me or not? Yeah, and twenty five people who are drunk and who are just there for the free pretzels Wednesdays at the gag wagon. I'm sorry. They really want me to push the pretzels. Sure. Um, but but I. What if we um. What if we had a memorial? Yeah. For a joke that died. Yeah, you could have um, you could have all the other jokes that were around that joke come in and say a few nice words. Well, let's let's try it. I'm I'm gonna well I'm gonna bring up some kind of funereal music and um. You were there with mm-hmm. this joke. Maybe mm-hmm. you saw it several times that week. You got to know it. Do you want to do you want to say a few words for this this joke that died? Sure. Um, I'll give it a go. 
Dearly beloved, uh, we're here to celebrate the memory of the bit about the Kool-Aid man's travel agent. You know, that bit went out there every night. Uh, it tried its best. It was definitely memorable. It definitely got a reaction. Yes, that reaction was often silenced, but... You know, any joke can make a person laugh, but it takes a really singular joke to make an entire room of people silent. Was it the funniest joke in the world? No. But was it up there? No. But now it is up there, in heaven, where not even God is laughing. Can you tell me about your life before the gag wagon? Yeah, well, it was kind of weird. Um, before I spent a brief period, um, I was actually a bar stool. I was at, at this one bar that kept opening and closing. It was a, like this ill-fated bar. It kept having different literary themes. Like one week it would be called like Chinaski's, you know, named after uh, a Bukowski character. And then the next week, you know, it was like Ayn Rand themed bar. Um, Atlas Chugged. I think it was called, uh, but that, you know, apparently terrible tipping at that bar. So they closed down, and then what? what finally, this this place ran out of. When, by the time it was Kilgore Trouts, uh, it closed down, and then uh, they they sold all the fittings. And a guy was opening a comedy club, and he got me as part of a job lot. And yeah, I got chosen somehow to be the stool that they put on stage. I've been here ever since. Adam, I, I want to try something. I want to read you the Wikipedia entry for stand-up comedy and just kind of get your reaction to how it's defined. Okay. Stand-up comedy is a comedy performance and narrative craft whereby a comedian communicates to a live audience, speaking directly to them through a microphone. Stand-up comedians perform quasi-autobiographical and fictionalized extensions of their offstage selves. Does that Does that seem true to you well i mean i noticed one thing missing from that don't you because uh i'd say there's a pretty pretty glaring omission in that precise wouldn't you are you are you you you're suggesting the the stool yes i'm suggesting this um i mean sure micro you know microphones I get you, you, yeah, sure, you need a microphone. I, they didn't mention the microphone stand, did they? Because that would really kind of piss me off. That's not, it isn't mentioned. Okay, here. good. Because the microphone, I don't even know why. What's the first thing a, a comedian does? Watch the next time a comedian gets on stage. They take the mic stand and they move it to the back of the stage. Get out of here, you skinny three legged dork. We don't need you with your weird adjustable waistband. You you mentioned um, that. By the way, by the way, mic stands. I don't trust anything that can change height at will. Like, how insecure are you? Are you're eight feet tall all of a sudden. Sorry, carry on. Uh, I have to say, Adam, it it's kind of sounds like you're doing a stand up bit right now. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's um, I'm a stool. You know, uh, I I I I get up there. Um, I stand on stage, they, you know, uh, that is my stand. I stand up there and I, you know, I'm there to support it. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, it's crossed my mind, you know. Um, 
I'm, I, you know, I'm sure a dresser has thought about what it'd be like to wear a shirt once in a while. You know, you just, uh, um, you know, sometimes in an open mic when you, you've got half a gallon of PBR slopping all over and you sit through yet another, another set about video games, you think, uh, yeah, you know, I'm funnier than this guy. I've got more life experience than this person. You know, I, 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 I could probably teach a class in comedy, you know, because I, I pick up a lot of things, you know, and I know that K sounds are funny. I know the rule of threes. I know the old uh, roommate switcheroo. You know that one? What's that? Uh, the roommate switcheroo is uh, where your roommate complains to you and then you go, uh, whatever you say, dad. And see, the joke there is, is that your roommate is actually your father and you still live with your parents, which you're supposed to feel shame about. I mean, I would love to have more time with my parents. My dad was a tree and they cut him down to make furniture. But the, those tropes you mentioned, does it get tiring hearing old jokes? Um, kind of, but, you know, at a certain point, it just becomes sort of background noise, you know? And I also, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that are tried and true. You know, there's a word that gets thrown around a lot in comedy clubs, which is hack. Um, which, by the way, is a really insensitive thing to say around a piece of wood. But you hear... Uh, all these things that are supposed to be, you know, like hackneyed or tired. Um, but you got to realize that, you know, way back when, you know, the first guy to tell a mother-in-law joke must have seemed like a genius, you know? People were like, wait a minute, I do have a mother-in-law. And we do have less than a convivial relationship. You know, that guy must have been groundbreaking, you know? So I guess what I'm saying is uh, uh, today's hack was yesterday's pioneer. Oh. Hi, is this Drew Griffith? Can I can I call you Drew? Please. So Drew, you are a, a classics professor at Queen's University in Canada. Uh, you actually have written a textbook about ancient humor, uh, Greek and Roman humor. I did. Um in in that context, what is the oldest joke you know? Uh the oldest joke um would be probably around the year one or so, um, there's a, a collection of Greek jokes called The Laughter Lover. And it's uh, probably about the fifth century of our era, but the jokes are older. And they're all geared around certain kinds of characters. And the most popular one in the collection is the guy, I call him an egghead, Skolastikos okay. in Greek. And he's a guy who has a lot of book learning, but nothing else. And an example of one of those stories would be an egghead dreamt that he stepped on a nail. So when he woke up in the morning, he put a bandage on his foot and he goes about his day, meets his buddy and his buddy says, what's with a bandage? And he explains. And the buddy says, no wonder they call us fools. Why do we sleep barefoot? Uh, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a very old joke. So this, uh, the laughter lover you mentioned, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Philogalos. So this was a, like a collection of, of jokes. Was this actually a, a joke book? Uh, presumably, as far as we know, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as we know, they didn't do stand-up. So I don't think this was a, necessarily a manual, but th there are references to people who would kind of make a living by mooching on other people. They would gate crash dinner parties and 
get their food in that way. And the reason that they were tolerated was for their ability to make people laugh. And uh, there are a couple of references to these people as having books that they would consult for material. So these these early, these kind of proto stand-up comedians were, they weren't hired to do this job. They would essentially crash parties and tell jokes in order to be allowed to stay and eat the food. Uh, that, that's right. What, what do you think would happen if a comedian today got on stage, you know, and just just did material from the laughter lover? Uh, I I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're they're not all terribly good. Some of them relate to very particular social circumstances. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. There's a category of jokes about hoarders. So that's good. We could probably, you know, grasp that. But there's a joke about the hoarder who goes to a dry cleaner. And uh, here you have to understand that in the uh, ancient world, dry cleaners collected urine and used it uh as part of the cleaning process, they would bleach the clothes in urine. And uh, so the joke goes that the hoarder went to a dry cleaners and refused to pee, so he died of septic shock. (laughs) Now that one, um, you know, uh, you have to have a whole explanation before that makes even any sense to you. So um, yeah, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't recommend the laughter lover. It's... uh, (laughs) Uh, to any any working comedian nowadays. I'm just I'm just imagining the silence after that joke is told on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Adam, I'm speaking to you in May 2021. Um, The gag wagon, I imagine, like so many things, has been closed for a while. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they they try to stay open for a bit. Um, They, uh, you know, but they took all the precautions. Um, I got to say, that was a little rough because, you know, they were wiping me down a lot. And uh, I don't know if you've had a hundred proof hand sanitizer applied to your veneer every five minutes, but you get kind of loopy on it, you know? But yeah. Um, yeah. They tried it for a while, but ultimately they had to shut down for, for a bit. How, how long has it been since you've seen a person? Um, 14 months, I think. Um, Do you, do you get lonely? Well, one thing I'm kind of peeved about, something that really kind of chaps my splinters, if I'm being honest about it, is they they, they left me on stage, just uh, just kind of sitting here uh, in the darkness, like some sort of Kafka-esque cabaret uh, with just a thin sliver of light coming from under the door, and you see shadows of people walking by uh, living their lives, and there I am, just sitting, drinkless, noteless. Um, I never thought I'd say this, but uh, 
you have some moments where you're like, I could really go for a cheap gag about Tinder right now. Yeah. Uh, well, how are you passing the time? I, I, I imagine um, I, among all the other feelings, it's also just, it, it's just boring. Well, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I, I miss the crowds in there, you know, I miss, I, I, I miss the shows and, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll, you know, it's just going to sound silly, but sometimes I, you know, I even imagine that, you know, uh, you know, that the room is full, you know, maybe there's a comedian on stage and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, not me, but, but I might, you know, pretend to do material or whatever, but, uh, yeah, sometimes I might, you know, imagine, yeah, what if, you know, what if I was the only one on stage? What if I was uh, doing, so, you know, sometimes there um, in the darkness, I'll sort of just run through an act just to, just to get the old feelings back of being in, uh, being in the old show business. Can you, uh, could we, I mean, could we hear your set? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I could. I mean, I, I warn you, it's, you know, it's pretty rough. I haven't really done this before, you know. So don't laugh. I mean, you know, laugh. But, um, yeah, sure. I mean, ah, what the heck. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. Well, well great. Uh, I can actually, I can bring in some audio, kind of a la laugh track. And I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll bring you on stage. Um, everyone, uh, please welcome to the stage. Uh, your next stand-up, uh, Adam the Stool, everybody. Oh, I mean, okay. Uh, hey, uh, hey, everybody. You guys are great. Great crowd tonight. A uh, lot of empty seats. My kind of crowd. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I, uh, I just flew in from Iowa, and boy, did they put me in the cargo hold. Apparently, you, you can't put a seat on a seat. It weirds people out. <laughs> I don't know. This guy, I, I kind of feel stupid, you know? I just, uh, you know. No, no, it's it's good. It's good. Keep you keep keep going. It's tough being a stool sometimes, though. You know, some, somebody sets a drink on you. You're like, would it kill you to get a coaster? If I wanted a ring, I would have got married. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually pretty lonely being a stool. Um, someone told me to go uh, on a dating app. Uh, I like dating the old-fashioned way, you know? Furniture catalog, <laughs> like the browse. I actually went out with a stool from Ikea once. Yeah, her name was Ingeborgen. But she was from Ikea, so I always felt like something was missing. Someone once asked me if I was a bar stool. I said, no, I, I know who my father was. Although one time my father actually got himself completely restained so I wouldn't recognize him anymore. Yeah, he pulled a real varnishing act. <laughs> my mother was great though. My mother was a nightstand. Apparently she was supposed to be a one night stand, but you know how that goes, right? This guy over here, <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. I, I can't believe I'm telling you all this. You know, I, I used to be very closed off, very stoic, but then I took this product that kind of loosens me up a bit, you know? Uh, you might have heard of a stool softener. <laughs> All right, that's 
that's it for me, everybody. Try the pretzels. The pretzels are free on Wednesday. Thanks very much. Give it up. Give, I want to give it up to the give it up to the neon sign. Uh, give it up to the carpet uh, and the mic stand. Oh, not so much. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. Have a great night. That that was incredible. How how did that feel? Oh, I don't know, man. I, I you know, it's I I gotta be honest. It felt pretty good. You know. This is Everything is Alive. I'm Ian Chillog. The show is produced by Jennifer Mills and me, with help this week from Emma Choi. Thanks, as always, to Emily Spivak. Adam the Stool was played by Adam Burke. Adam is a comedian and the host of the 5 O'Clock Somewhere News on YouTube. A big thanks to Drew Griffith for talking to us about old jokes. Drew Griffith has been a professor of Greek and Latin at Queen's University in Kingston, Canada for 35 years, 20 of which he's taught a course in ancient humor. He co-authored a study of ancient humor entitled A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Agora. His current project is trying to sneak across the border to visit his new granddaughter in Boston. Part of this episode first appeared as a live performance at the On Air Fest. Thanks both to On Air Fest and the performance space Caveat in New York City for their help. Everything is Alive is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, Julie Shapiro, executive producer. You can get in touch with us any number of ways at everythingisalive.com. It's going to be a little bit, but we'll be back. We'll see you soon. Radio Tokyo from P.